Hey there, this is Dr. Rob, the referral doc. How's it going? Thanks for joining us on the special dentalist podcast where we help specialists become special. Uh, last week, we had a really good episode where we talked about the five things you don't want to do to tick off your general dentist, the referring doctors. Uh, go take a listen to that if you haven't had a chance to. Today, we're going to be talking about three reasons why you should bail out general dentists when they totally botch it up. I know this is a, a difficult thing for a lot of specialists to to uh, to do when, when general dentists are constantly uh, expanding what they're trying to do and and getting out of out of bounds of of what they should be doing, and you guys are left with the piece picking up the pieces and trying to help them when they totally botch it up. You know, it reminds me of a story that I'd like to share. <clears throat> me and my two brothers, Brandon and Mike, a few years ago, we heard of this place called the Bicknell Bottoms, and it was a couple hours away, and we heard about these big old trout fish that were caught in there and, and we love to fly fish and we were really excited to go and try this out we saw some pictures of brandon's friend and and so we we got on our waders got up early headed out there and headed out towards this stream now most of the stream fishing that we did was was right on solid shore into rivers off rocks that type of thing but the bignell bottoms is kind of unique it's kind of a marshy muddy area that has a flow of, of stream that goes down through the center of that. And the reason why there's such big trout in there is because it's very difficult to fish. It's so muddy. Uh, so we weren't really prepared. We didn't really know what we were getting into, but we go kind of tromping through out into the willows and onto some little tufts of grass as we're getting out there, they become more sporadic and we're getting more into the mud and we finally get to where we're getting close to where we can just get so excited about these fish when uh, Mike, who is in front of me, he suddenly goes down be over his knees and he's up to his thighs in this mud. And if you've ever had, had your uh, feet in mud, you know it's, it's really, really claustrophobic. And he starts freaking out like, oh man, I can't move, I can't move. So I just, I just go kind of running in after him without really uh, paying attention what I was doing. Uh, in the process, he, he flung his, his pole up and his lure caught my hand and and uh, the barb went right into my hand and boy that hurt really bad while I was trying to get that out I was getting sink, sinking deeper and deeper into the mud and and before I knew it both of us were stuck up uh, into our thigh up to our thighs in mud and there was no getting out of there we were trying leaning and pulling on the the willows there was just no way to get out so luckily Brandon had not been stuck yet Brandon came out a little more cautiously and stayed up on the willows and up on the tufts of grass that had a little foundation to them. And with a, a lot of hard work, it wasn't easy, but we were able to finally get out of there. And uh, we did not do very much fishing. Let's just say we were happy to just get out of there <laughs> um, with our lives, honestly. Uh, that, I share that story because there's a couple of parallels with what we're talking about here. The first one I think about is the excitement for the big fish, for the general dentist. And I talk a whole podcast about this. Uh, down the road where uh, we talk about general dentists, when to refer. But I think a lot of times the general dentists get in trouble because there's a couple of things, reasons why I found myself getting into areas that I shouldn't be getting into, uh, procedures I probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, one of them is uh, being talked into it by a friend or a family member where you feel like, ah, you know, they don't want to go somewhere, see somebody else. They want, don't want to pay that extra money to see a specialist. Um, I can probably do it for them. 
uh, a lot of times you get in trouble that way. The other big fish you, you might be going after is when things are a little tight and you're thinking, oh man, that's uh, some good money that I don't want going out the door. I could probably do that myself. I know that I don't really feel too good about it, but, but I definitely want to keep that here. And then you can get into trouble. Um, so uh, there was actually an experience that I had two months out of getting out of dental school. Uh, I had, I had uh, done a good job in dental school, I felt, and I was a pretty good clinician. Uh, of course, you all feel like, like that coming out of dental school, I can conquer the world. Uh, I had a friend come in, and she had this really strong frontal attachment here on the labial mandibular frontal attachment. <clears throat> and uh, I thought, hey, you know, I, I read this about this in the book. I saw it. Uh, we, we taught about it. We, we were taught about it in oral surgery. And uh, it can't be that hard. I just snip, snip, and a little suturing. And, and so I said, yeah, sure, I can do it. She kind of was like, oh, please do it for me. Don't send me on. I got talked into it. And, you know, I, I still remember going home that day and bragging to my wife how good a job I did and how I did this really complex surgery. And, and, uh, but I was patting myself on the back pretty good for, for doing that. And it looked pretty good after that after I was done. Uh, the problem that I had is I'd never experienced kind of how to take care of it. And, and what happened is I had her come back two weeks later and it had actually attached, uh, folded and attached it on, attached on itself to the, to the attached gingiva. So I went to pull the lip out and the attachment was actually far stronger than when it originated. And uh, there was a lot of scar tissue in there. And at this point, you know, my whole jaw dropped and I just didn't know what to do. So I went in and talked to my brother, who's a dentist as well. And he said, well, you better talk to the periodontist. So I call up the periodontist. I'd never met him before. I'd only been out a couple of months. And I'll tell you, I really went in very humble, feeling like a tail between my legs, just like, oh, my gosh, uh, I don't know what happened here. And the specialist was super nice to me. Um, he, he let me know that he understood and that he'd help take care of her. And so I sent her down and, and he did. He did a wonderful job taking care of her. And uh, to this day, I really, really appreciate him coming and helping me. Uh, that's, that's the second thing that I wanted to point out from, from that story of being caught in the mud is how great it felt to be rescued. You know, it's just one of those things where when you're in this place where you can't help yourself and somebody else comes in and pulls you out, you have this feeling of it's just there's no better way to build a bond. So if you're if you're wanting to build a bond with um, a dentist, then then be there for them. Uh, what's difficult is when they you pull them out and they go diving back into the mud over and over again, right? So that's another uh, thing that you need to decide is how often should you go running in after them when they continue to clearly not learn a message, learn a lesson, lesson from it. The other thing is, is how great it felt for the patient. You know, that's the second reason why you should be doing this, uh, helping general dentists out is, is to help the patient. Uh, you are a specialist. A lot of times you're the only specialist in the area um, that can help out and and if you're not going to help them out, you know, thinking about the patient, where are they going to go? So as you think about the patient, that can really help make your decision of whether or not you should help out or not. There's, a, there's another experience that I had where a general dentist in our area was placing an implant on the maxilla um, in the front. And there was a little fracture on the buckle plate, really thin buckle plate. And I think what happened is they came in um, with it attached to the drill uh, that was spinning too fast and it zipped it up and the implant actually went through 
perforated out the buckle plate and it all happened like that. It went out the buckle plate and actually got, oh. <laughs> I got a little too into it. Didn't go up her nose, but it did come up here right next to her eye. And if you, can you even imagine? I can't even believe it. But yeah, she was showing me pictures. There was an implant literally up underneath the fascia here, uh, up underneath her tissue, right mesial to her eye. And uh, they had, at that point, the, the general obviously had to go get an oral surgeon. Luckily, there was an oral, oral surgeon in the office, came up and took a look at it. Uh, the oral surgeon saw that this was uh, a pretty big case. He was way out in the mud. And this oral surgeon wisely said, I'm not going to go diving in after this by myself. So he called up the ENT uh, in, in town and who came over as well. And together they were able to kind of strategize where, where to go in and take that implant out. Um, but talking to that patient as she came to me uh, later and I started working with her, uh, how appreciative she was for that oral surgeon and that ENT that, that came in and helped her. Could you imagine if they were just like, sorry, you got yourself into that mess. I'm not going to help you out. So that's the second reason why you should go and help someone out of the mud uh, is for the patient's sake. Um, the third thing I wanted to point out was, was to just kind of refocus on the fact that um, I went diving in after Mike without any regard to getting stuck myself. And you really need to be careful about that as you're a specialist going out. So if any, if you feel like you can still have a solid footing uh, underneath you and it's not too outside of getting too risky, uh, then yeah, go, go in and just help them out. Uh, but if it is something like what I suggested there, where it's a little bit, even for a specialist, it might be a little dicey for you. Uh, go get some other help. Get another person to come in and just give you some some ideas. And don't be afraid to go to other specialists and collaborate on those. So, uh, the last thing I, the last reason why I believe that you should help um, get a, a general dentist unstuck is the first one was for for the the doctor. The second was for the patient, and the third one is for yourself. You know, you are you have a really highly skills, high skill set that's really specified and you have opportunity to serve your just fellow men and uh, women, brothers and sisters. And, and, you know, when you have that gift, uh, it does a lot of good for you to be able to share that and to be able to give at the end of this life. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It matters about relationships and what you've done for other people. <clears throat> and so if you, if you do it ma mainly just for, for that, to help, that patient out and for yourself, it will help make uh, you a better person. Okay, so that's it for this week. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the legality of sending referrals in-house. So if you have multiple practices, uh, sending referrals back and forth to each other in-house, in how to do that legally. We'd like to thank Referral Web for sponsoring and producing this show. If you haven't checked them out, go to referralweb.com and take a look at the best referring platform there is on the market.